I think letterboxing is pretty great. It gets my stamp of approval. It's Schmanners. Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? Man, I, you know, I thought earlier this spring my allergies were bad. Yeah. But boy, howdy. Well, you know, you'll never really realize how bad your allergies are until your 16-month-old has bad allergies. Yep. And then you're like, it's all downhill. Yep. This is all about, we got four allergy sufferers in the house now. Mm-hmm. Which is not uncommon in the Ohio River Valley, which is where we live. Yes. Um, But, man... I think that it's extra hard to have allergies as a person who can't talk about and complain about their allergies. Yeah, and you just have like a nozzle of snot open on your face at all times, and you're just like, why do I feel bad? (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a great impression of Dot right there. Yeah, well, that's it, is like the thing that is, I guess I maybe is specific to Dot, but she's like fine until she realizes she's not. Yeah. But she's just sitting there like, oh, book, rebook, book, book. And you're like, oh, a book, oh, a book. And you're reading the book. And then just halfway through the book, she's just like, wait a minute. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are, uh, we're loving the, the mentholated um, rubs and such to try and open sinuses. Because it's both and... kids and both adults and one <sighs> cat. Yeah, I forgot about the cat. Yeah. She also has allergies. Yeah, it's a whole thing. So what are we talking Are we talking about allergies? No. Oh, okay. We're talking about letterboxing. Now, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I am an avid geocacher. We've talked mm-hmm. about it on the show. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what this was. To me, letterboxing, when you said it, I thought of like the black bars around <gasps> a movie. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. I did not know what this was. So uh, I thought it was the the way that you get a widescreen movie to fit in a full screen. Yeah, you letterbox it. By letterboxing it. But not, no, no, not that. Which is also, if I'm not mistaken, because I, I have been called mad for this before on my brothers, my brothers and me, is uh, that letterboxing can be done after the fact. And they will do that to movie. They'll like shoot it. In like, you know, why full form or whatever, and then put the black bars on it in post. And one time I saw, uh, uh, I think it was Night at the Museum at the movies, and they had not applied the letter, or like it wasn't working in, in the projector or something. And I could like see the cables like the running cables on the boom. Yeah, and like the Apple boxes and stuff on the ground. Like I could see all the equipment. And then like halfway through, it was like, what? And flipped it on. <laughs> and I talked about this, and my brothers thought I was making it up. Anyways, we're Anyways, not talking about that kind we're of letterboxing. Not that letterboxing. But like you said, um, probably let's say the great, great grandfather of geocaching who uh, does not associate with that hipster geocaching. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So this is like the he would walk into Baskin Robbins and be like, this ain't no soda fountain. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. This actually was uh, suggested by listener Paul. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Um, 
It's an outdoor hobby, right? Okay, so that's but that's where the pollen lives, don't you know? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's oh, where boy. the pollen lives. That's where the pollen lives. Uh, that combines elements of orienteering, art, and puzzle solving. Orienteering, that's like map where yep. like compass mm-hmm. stuff, right? Yep, okay. compass stuff. You were like a girl's guy. I, I don't know what direction is what. I have no inherent sense of direction. I'm. I'm. Can I be honest? Mm-hmm. I'm not even 100% sure. Like, I know how a compass works. I know how to use it. <laughs> but if somebody's like, go north, I think my response is like, why? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Um. So, I, and this combines to direct people to hidden letterboxes. Um, which like are mailboxes, sort of like little tin boxes that could perhaps hold papers okay. or postcards, like the size of a postcard. People do, by the way, since we're talking about this kind of thing, and I know you said that uh, this grandfather wouldn't associate with geocaching, but I just saw a TikTok the other day of a geocache where the geocache was a straw that was like stuck in between like two boards of a bench, and like you, like inside was like this the log like rolled up to that you had to like poke through and pull out to sign. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one like litter picker away from disappearing. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. It's not. <laughs> it doesn't seem as long lasting as some other options. But okay. Interesting. Well, so it's more of like an outside treasure hunt, right? Because okay. unlike uh, geocaching. That geocaching relies heavily on GPS technology, right? Because right? uh, you can put a pin in it and you find the coordinates and you use your phone and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, but this is letterboxing is more of a traditional treasure hunting situation. Um, and they don't hold small trinkets and prizes. They hold doubloons. Well, more like stamps, not like like postage stamps, oh, like but like rubber stamps. Got it. Ink pad stamps. Hence the letters? Yeah, kind of. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, So like I said, these letter boxes are usually like a weatherproof box hidden somewhere on a property. Way better than a straw. Way better than a straw. Um, There is a notebook and a rubber stamp inside of it, and the stamp is specific to the letter box. Many of them very ornate and uh, obviously took lots of care to make. Um, see, I can see why you would be more into this yeah. than than geocaching. Right? Well, geocaching for me is the electronics, is the hunt. No, 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 no I don't, I don't. I want to get to it as quick as possible. You know what I mean? I would rather do as many geocaches in one day as I could. Oh well, but this is about getting that stamp on your notebook, Ugh. like being the collector for collecting sake. It seems like so much work. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Ooh, that's the problem with collections. You have to get all the stuff. Um, no, that got. No, I thought that would at no. least get a ride chuckle. No. Okay. Um, when Paul actually wrote in to suggest this topic, he pointed out that there are also sometimes things in letterboxes called hitchhikers. Um, so a little bit like travel bugs in geocaching, oh. hitchhikers are smaller stamps that people leave in letterboxes for finders to carry with them and plant in a new box. Um uh, the the uh, the bugs that you mentioned, they're like trackables, right? Where yeah. it's just like, oh, this made it all the way to this place kind right. of thing. But this the stamp is more just, you know, person to person. Um, and um, 
specifically, thank you, Paul, for sending a picture in of one that he took upon himself to carve, uh, inspired by 20 Big Dog Run. 20 Big Dog Run. For anyone listening who maybe isn't also my brother, my brother and me listener, on MBNBM, we pick a theme for the year. And for 2021, it was 20 Big Dog Run. Mm-hmm. No bones about it. That was the subtitle. <laughs> okay. So now we know what it is. When did it start? Um, The year was 1886. Hey, I mean... <gasps> Not bad. How close? The 1850s. Oh, okay. Hey, for some of my past guesses, that's very close. Yeah, and it started in Dartmoor, which is in Devon in England. Oh, like Dartmoor, they talk about that, I think, in the Hound of the Baskervilles. Okay. Maybe. Uh, So it started in 1854 uh, with a man there named William Crossing, who was a writer and avid chronicler of life in Dartmoor. I'm going to guess it all started when Crossing misplaced his box of stamps. No, okay. not not really. Um, but he wrote a book called Guide to Dartmoor. And in it, he mentioned a well-known Dartmoor guide. Wait, and- he wrote Guide and in it shouted out a different already well-known guide? Yes, I know. Ugh. Come on. So let's say that his guide was more of a manual and exploration, whereas this other guide was a dude who knew where stuff was. Okay. All right, I'll tell you which one I'd want, but that's not mm-hmm. important to the story. Go on. James Parrott, um, who had placed a bottle for visiting cards at the Cranmere Pool, which is a small bog in the northern region of the town. Been a long time since I've seen a good bog. When was the last time you saw a good bog? Like a good bog, a bog you could really sink into, you know? You know, where I grew up um, in, in just outside of Dayton, Ohio, oh. uh, we have a wetlands reserve. Oh, yeah. So I have seen many a good bog. Yeah, but it's been a while, huh? Yeah, it has been yeah. a while. Oh. So hiking to this pool in the 1850s wasn't like a simple Sunday stroll that people in their their hoop skirts could attempt, right? Mm-hmm. It was with their hula hoops <laughs> and their hooping sticks. It was uh let's paint a picture here. Like a lot of England, <laughs> it receives over a hundred inches of rain a year. Oh wow. Um, All at once. In no, one day. No. And so the ground is very spongy and muddy and well, would you believe it, boggy? Well, it tracks. Um, and so I believe over there they pronounce it bogey. No, they don't. Okay. <laughs> the easiest access point required a nine mile one way hike through this difficult terrain. Um, so I imagine, just to do my math real quick, 18 miles two way, right? Yeah. Unless you got there and died. <laughs> <laughs> or were airlifted out yeah, by okay. a hot air balloon. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, so it wasn't something that everybody was privy to, that everyone was constantly going to or whatever. And so you were able to be very proud of your accomplishment if you actually made it there and, you know, took part in the putting your calling card in the bottle or whatever. Um, And so um, more and more hikers really wanted this kind of bragging rights, right? And they actually began to leave letters and postcards along the trail to this bottle. 
Um, And it became so popular in 1888 that they upgraded the bottle to a small tin box. Uh So passersby would leave notes, sometimes addressed to themselves, other times to a friend or relative who might hike by in the tin box. And so the next person who discovered the box would collect the letters and postcards and mail them for everyone. So this is where the term letter boxing was born. You know what's really interesting about this? You know what it reminds me of? And in a very one-for-one kind of way, in the video game series Demon Souls and Dark Souls, uh-huh. you can leave messages, like in your game, that people in their game will see, like it's all online. So you can like leave a little message that's like, don't go down this tunnel, or like, oh, do this yeah. salute here, right? I remember you playing those and those little like ghost notes. Right, and it'll just pop up like, don't jump, or jump here, safe to land, or whatever, right? And it was mm. just like little messages along the path. And I wonder if also back then, in the 1850s, people would leave trolling ones like, safe to eat this bush, hee <laughs> It's like, no, don't eat that bush, you'll poop, or whatever. I shouldn't say poop, oh no, can I say that on You can trailers? say that on okay. trailers. Um, so this was all great fun for the, for the people in the area, um, but 40 years would pass before a second letterbox was set up. And then it would be 44 years after that that a third showed up. So all told, it it didn't catch on too quick. No, I mean, it was part of like the mystique and the hunt and the thrill of finding something that wasn't, you know, super attainable. So this is so interesting because to compare this to geocaching, geocaching seems to thrive on uh, accessibility, right? Right. Yeah, Yeah, there are challenging ones, but like there's ones that will look all around you. Right? There's one right there in the middle of the park. Oh, check that bench you're sitting at. Look behind this thing. Right, and where yeah. letterboxing seems a lot more like, no, 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 no. We're explorers. Yeah. This is like a thing we're doing. Totally. Um, and then the rubber stamp officially appeared on July 22nd, 1907, uh, placed by a man, John H. Struther. Um, he recorded in the logbook. This we- is a stamp. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. (laughs) He said, reached the pool at 7.10 p.m., misty day with cool breeze, and would suggest that a rubber stamp, something like the post office stamps for postmarking letters or rubber stamp for putting the address at the top of a piece of notepaper, be provided and kept here. If this were done, it would be proof that the cards posted really had come from the Cranmere. Oh, I get it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'm picking it up. And you know what else I'm picking up? What? A thank you note to our sponsor. This week, Schmanners is sponsored in part by Function of Beauty. I want to say a special thank you to Function of Beauty because they have made my hair game so much better and feel so much more special. See, at Function of Beauty, they have all kinds of different combination of not only like the product, the features, all that stuff, but the scents, you know, mango, rose, pear, eucalyptus. There's all kinds of amazing scents at Function of Beauty that you can add to your customized shampoo and conditioner. They create unique customized hair care formulas based on a short but thorough quiz to give your hair everything it needs and to look and feel its best. Every product is sulfate and paraben-free, vegan and cruelty-free. And Functional Beauty fans are absolutely wild about the fragrances, and for good reason. 
Like I said, there's mango, sweet peach, crisp pear, subtler scents such as lavender, rose, eucalyptus. And if you don't want a fragrance, you can get it unscented. It's amazing. I have, at this point, the shampoo, the conditioner, the hair mask, and a hair oil. I love them very, very much. So go to functionofbeauty.com slash to take your quiz and save 20% on your first order. That applies to their full range of customized hair, skin, and body products. That's functionofbeauty.com slash to let them know you heard about it here and get 20% off your order. Functionofbeauty.com slash Now we also want to say thank you to Sunbasket. Paleo, vegetarian, lean and clean, Mediterranean, Lots of choices to help you eat well, and Sunbasket's got them all covered. Sunbasket wants you to eat well and love what you're eating. And here's what I'm really excited to tell you about. Their fresh and ready meals are just $8.99, so they are good for your body and your budget. Every Sunbasket meal is filled with only premium quality real food, including organic fresh produce, antibiotic and hormone-free meats, and sustainably sourced seafood. Their chefs have won Michelin Awards and a James Beard Award. Why not take the night off and let them cook for you? We're a big fan of Sunbasket here. They're delicious meals. They're easy to make. And the instructions are so simple, anyone can do it. Sunbasket is offering $90 off your first four deliveries, including free shipping on the first box. When you go right now to sunbasket.com slash schmanners and enter promo code schmanners at checkout. That's sunbasket.com slash schmanners and enter promo code schmanners at checkout for $90 off your first four deliveries and free shipping on your first box. Sunbasket.com slash schmanners and enter promo code schmanners. Mr. Robotman, what are you doing? I'm just taking one last look at my co-workers. Every journey comes to an end. Remember, Black, the space will be with you always. Sorry, who are you again? Is Master Kiarondo? Oh, right, right, right. Sorry. Just calling in. <laughs> Friendships will be tested. Die, you have to do it. You have to shoot Black. Okay. Well, you shot him so fast. Destinies will be fulfilled. I've become a complete bird. I'm flying. I'm flying. On April 28th, the saga starts concluding. Guys, we don't have a choice. We have to put on a show. We can do it in the old barn. We've got the costumes. We've got a stage. We can do it, you guys. Mission to Zix, the final season on Maximum Fun. Okay. All right. We stamped the stamp on the letter, and now let's mail it on home. And by letter, I mean second half of the episode, and by on home, I mean to the listener. Okay. Um, so it lasted this kind of um, very... Uh, let's. They were dotted here and there, and not for the faint at heart. Okay. Until the 1970s, when anybody with a heart could do it, faint mm, or not. No. Okay. A man named Tom Gant in 1976. All these people so far have very explorery. They names. sure have. Thomas Crossing, Tom Gant. I would read a field guide by Tom Gant. Yes, what I'm saying. Totally would. Um, what can't Gant do? People he, would say in the blurbs. Oh yeah, do it. Do it again. I didn't appreciate what that. What can't Gant do? That would be the blurb mm, on the back. Yeah, written, written mm-hmm. by uh, Albert Schweitzer. <laughs> okay, <laughs> he was out there. He was doing stuff. 
All right. So he made a guide map pinpointing the 15 letterboxes in Dartmoor. So at this point, they're all in Dartmoor? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was a thing. But this is like 1900s? 1976. So by 1976, still, they're all in Dartmoor. Yes. Okay. Just just getting on. But not for long, because. I mean, with... oh, to be fair, for long, that's 120 years <laughs> since the first one. So I would say for long, but not for much longer. Yes. Okay. Um, he pinpointed the 15 letterboxes in Dartmoor. And now that things were mapped, there was a boom in letterboxing. The amount of people searching for the treasure boxes tripled that year alone. And by the 1980s, thousands of people had taken on the hobby. And these letterboxes started to distinguish themselves with trail names and their own stamps. And this is kind of like... The glory day of letterboxing. Oh, yeah, I remember. Because people... What? No, I remember, I remember there were movies about it, ah. and everybody wanted it. The high school jocks were all doing it. Even the even the slacker kids could get into letterboxing. People began to leave clues to the box's whereabouts in the forms of riddles or puzzles or little games along the trail. Wait, I actually am way into that. Yeah, yeah you told me are. Yeah. And soon more and more people began to hear about this silly little game in the English Moors. So more letterboxes kept popping out throughout the English countryside, now in much more accessible places within easy walking distance of main roads. Now that sounds a lot like geocaching, right? Yes. Um, I like how it seems like it's getting easier. It seems like it's getting easier. And then this kind of like one-for-all-and-all-for-one approach wasn't really awesome um, because people started to, like, pull apart apart historic rock walls and started graffitiing the boxes and generally vandalizing everything in the name of the treasure hunt, right? Sure. So Dartmoor National Park didn't want to completely stop everyone from coming to their national park. Right. Um, But they also didn't want all of these things to be destroyed in the process. So uh, they removed all but the Cranmere and the Duck's Pool letterboxes. Those two boxes are now permanent structures at this point and also are historical sites. Uh, a man named Godfrey Swinscow. Get out. So many great names. Get out of the town. I know, right? Okay. And he was affectionately nicknamed God. <laughs> wow. That is affectionate to the extreme. Sure is. Um, he met with these Dartmoor officials and basically No, no, no. Change it, turn it the other way. Uh, make it sound more like Colin Firth and wine and dine them. Okay, see. No, we must. We must allow letterboxing. <laughs> it's not Colin Forth. I'm Colin Forth. No. The fourth Colin. No. So these are the new rules, according to uh, what Godfrey... So what God just said. God worked out. These are God's rules. <laughs> more officials. Boxes should not be cited in any kind of antiquity, 
in or near stone rows, circles, cysts, cairns, buildings, walls, ruins, peat cutters, or tinner's huts, etc. Don't go near the tinner's huts. Well, you know, don't miss with historical structures. Now, listen, all those other things, too, especially when you get into, like, cairns, when you get into stone circles, those things, it's not like they're glued together. Of course not. You can mess those up real easy. We almost did when we were in Scotland. We almost did, but we did not. No, we didn't. But on accident, not like we were sitting there like, should we mess this up? No, I think we almost like tripped over it, right? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, two boxes should not be sites in, yeah, in any potentially dangerous situations where injuries could be caused. You know, like trees or caves or right. things like that. Hanging over some quicksand. Exactly. Three boxes should not be cited as a fixture. Cement or any other building material is not to be used. Right, they so must like be removable. Right, they need to be removable um, because, like, this is a national park. Right. right, so like, and if they break any of these rules, we need to be able to get rid of them. Exactly, exactly. Um, so it grew in popularity, transitioned from letters to stamps and a logbook, and um, the letter boxes exploded in Dartmoor, uh, whereas now. Dartmoor Letterboxes created a membership to the 100 Club, meaning that uh, anyone who found all 100 letterboxes on the moors uh, could join the club and, you know, get their their handful of prestige. But even though now there are way more than 100 letterboxes. Are they all still in Dartmoor? No. Okay. I, I was trying to think, like, no one outside of Dartmoor would, and people will be listening to this episode like, what are they talking about? But everyone in Dartmoor would be losing it. But it is like the Dart, Dartmoor is like the epicenter. Yes. Right? Um, so it became incredibly popular with thousands of hikers gathering for box hunts. Um, <sighs> yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Don't I know. Don't laugh at me. No, it's it's not that. I was picturing a fox hunt before a letterbox and uh-huh. like the dogs running and the trumpet blowing. I think that's what it's supposed to conjure up. And it and it did. It made me happy. Okay. Here's what happened and how letterboxing came to our shores. Okay. I thought you were about to say a bad thing that happened. No. Like that somebody died. Mm-mm. No. The Smithsonian magazine covered it in a feature article in April of nineteen ninety eight. And it described it as kind of like a oddly British hobby, a uh, fun treasure hunt. <laughs> yes. I'm the spokesman for letterboxing call of fact. I love letterboxing. <laughs> You're going to have to explain that. Uh, the oh, accent. Elizabeth. <laughs> Elizabeth, I love letterboxing. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Um, and so. Before you could say custom rubber stamp. Custom rubber stamp. Letterboxing in North America exploded. Um, Using the internet, which was around in 1998, of course, um... People began uh, becoming treasure hunters and connecting with each other and hiding their own boxes. And uh, this, through this effort, was born Letterboxing North America in 2001, and over a thousand letterboxes dotted the U.S. covering all 50 states. But Teresa, Mm -hmm. how do I play and how do I play right? Well... Here's something that you can do. You can go to 
Atlas Quest. It was started in 2004 uh, by Ryan Carpenter, who created the website to, it's basically a virtual logbook to show off finds, and it's turned into message boards and stamp exchanges and a search engine where people can even find their closest letterboxing location. Is it too late? Ryan, for you to change your name to, like, Ignatius Wrigglesmith. <laughs> so go to Atlas Quest online and you'll you'll be able to find that. That'll be fun. Um, but I don't want to get in trouble, Teresa. Right. Obviously, AtlasQuest.com. They have a whole great list of etiquettes, greatest hits listed here. So you should first uh, gather your materials. Here are the things you'll need. A pen. A log book. Just the a, courage to do what's necessary. A small ink pad and a compass and your own personalized stamp. And because, a saber to fight off the lions. <coughs> oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Go on. Mm-hmm. Because you will want to stamp your own little stamp on the letterbox's log book and then use the letterbox's stamp. Yes. Right, on your it's log a stamp book. exchange. Exchange, like right. We're yes. exchanging the stamps, not the actual rubber stamps, but the from the ink. We got it. We got it. Okay. Yeah, we're on it. We're on it. We're picking it up. And you can make your own uh, by carving out some rubber. And they even have kits for stamp making at your local uh, hobby store, such as Michael's or whatever. A little trick if you just want to try it out for the first time. Potato. Potato In- or a... Uh, a cork, a wine bottle cork. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Uh, then you can look up the clues in your area, and you'll definitely need clues because, like we said, it's not like geocaching where you can use GPS on your phone. Um, you can't go out in the wild just expecting to find one somewhere. Yeah, no, that's bonkers. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, and take a buddy. One, because, you know, it's more fun with two, but also don't get lost in the woods. Yeah, I mean, and, and in general... We've talked about wood stuff before. Let people know you're going. Yeah. <laughs> Let people know where you're going, when you expect to be back, that kind of thing. All that stuff. All right. Atlas Quest encourages you to follow the leave no trace principles. Uh, so don't mess up any of the wildlife or whatever where you're hunting. You could even pick up litter while you're there. Yeah. Don't put yourself in any dangerous or harmful situations while you're letterboxing. And like... Just know, like, one of the rules, right, is that a box will never involve you, like, climbing up a mountain or tearing apart a tree or, like, that's just not that's not how it works, right? I would say, in general, it's probably the same kind of rules that apply to geocaching, where if you look well, at something and you think, well, to get that, I'd have to break that thing, then that's not it. I mean, I feel like we have gone through some pretty dense brush to find a geocache before. Oh, sure, sure, sure. But I mean, like, there's been things where it's like, well, to get that, I'd have to do this super dangerous thing. Like, that's probably not it. No, that's probably not it. Here is a very specific and important tip. Don't murder. No. Yes. I mean, we but should include let- that more in all of our etiquette things. Letterboxing specifically. Oh, okay. Um, it's all about the stamps. Right. Uh, so if you are if you're joining Atlas Quest, put up a spoiler alert, because if you're going to put like pictures of the stamps that you found, the stamps that you've made, like it's part of the treasure. Right. Um, so don't accidentally take away the magic for someone else. When you said it's about the stamps, uh, what popped in my head was it's about the cones. 
from uh, Parks and Rec. Oh. It's not from, but you forgot one thing. It's about the cones. It's not. Okay, go on. <laughs> also, Atlas Quest suggests that if you're planting a letterbox in an especially urban area, be very aware of your surroundings because someone putting a tin box on the side of a building or hiding it in a bush really really looks pretty sketchy. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, you know, it's kind of suspicious and it might get you picked up by Homeland Security. So, like, don't do not do that. Or in a less case scenario, it might get your box thrown away. Oh, that's true. That's true. Um, always rehide it in the exact place you found it. Don't hide it near anything historic. You know, we've talked about that, right? Because it almost disappeared forever because people were pulling apart don't old, ruin, don't ruin old it for hedgerows other or whatever. That's like a good rule in general. That and don't murder should be like, too, don't ruin it for other people. Mm-hmm. Like, it is a shared experience, this thing. This is the magic well, of it. Whether- it's a shared experience, but it's also a secret club. So right. don't go, like, asking random passers-by for directions, right? Right. right. Yeah. And don't murder. Don't murder. Don't take the stamp or the logbook with you when you leave. Don't worry about it for other people. Obviously. And so you are, this is the, the other thing. You are not to leave trinkets in the boxes. Ain't, it, this ain't geocaching. Exactly. Um, the letter, like the letter phase of letterboxing is over. No trinkets, no letters or postcards. Just take a stamp, leave a stamp. And unless there's like a travel thing, what did they call? What did we call it earlier? Uh, hitchhiker. Hitchhiker, you could do that. All right, everybody. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So, thank you so much. Thank you again to Paul for mm-hmm. suggesting this. This was very interesting. Neither one of us knew about it before we did. It was great. And thank you to Alex. Yes. Did a deep dive on that Atlas Quest website and go visit that uh, if you're interested in letterboxing. I also want to say another big thank you to Alex because Alex has prepared a real bang up episode next week all about mm, idioms. Our favorite thing to talk about. We're doing an idioms episode next week. Which for is- the first week of. The Max Max Fun Drive. That's right. It's Max Fun Drive week one. We'll give you all the details later. But right now, just know it's your chance to support the art and artists you love, including this show. And we're bringing out idioms because it's our favorite thing to do. And we think it's your favorite thing to hear. And the pin for Schmanners is an idiom. (laughs) It's very cute. Um, So make sure you check that out. Don't miss it. Uh, Let's see. want to say thank you to Maximum Fun for being our podcast home. Thank you to the other McRoys and the shows they do. You can check those out at McRoy.com family. Um, thank you to everybody who supports us already on Max Yeah, Friday. It means the world to us. We wouldn't be able to make this show without you. Let's see. What else, Teresa? What else do we say? We always thank Brent Brentelfloss Black for writing our theme song, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Also, thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art. When we have topics that uh, we invite our listeners to ask questions about. Which I tried to do for this one, but I don't think enough people knew about Letterboxing. Yeah. Uh, you can tweet those questions at us at SchmannersCast. Um, also, thank you to Bruja Betty Pin of Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. Um, if you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans, go ahead and join that group. Um, and thanks for everybody for sending in topics. We yeah. love it. Send in your topics and your idioms and all of that stuff um, at you can send it to our Gmail, schmannerscast at gmail.com. 
And that's going to do it for us. So join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported. Max Fun Drive's almost here. It starts on Monday, May 3rd, ends on May 14th, and it's the best time to support the shows you love. Here are some folks like you sharing what Max Fun and our shows mean to them. Most importantly, it's meant community. And uh, yeah, just thanks for hanging out, making joke em ups, and making my week a little bit brighter. So. Thanks, Maximum Fun, for making me a better person and making sure that I'm surrounded by better people. Thanks again for all you do. Love supporting Max Fun, and uh, keep it up. Come back Monday, May 3rd for more details from your favorite hosts. We'll have some of the best episodes of the year, special Max Fun Drive thank you gifts, and maybe a few surprises. That's Monday, May 3rd. Until then, 